0: requiem metal podcast episode 129 brought to you by executive producer justin hoffman thank you very much for your support I had the pleasure of hearing Free Country by Mr. Witchfinder General from their death penalty record in 1982. This is the Record Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. And uh hey man,
1: let's uh let's <laughs> let's let the good times roll. Let's let the good times roll. And I don't think there's a much more of a good timey kind of song than free country, man. Uh well, look out for me, let's trip on LSD, man. Yeah, man. Let's have some mushroom tea. Mushroom tea. Amphetamine is real good speed. <laughs> Uh, come have some mushroom tea, but you know, the, the thing that's, that's interesting about this song that I'll say is, uh, it has some, it's a pro drug song with a very safe message attached to it. Yeah. Stay away from bummer drugs. man. Yeah. Bummer drugs. Uh, heroin is for the hero. It's a killer. You got to say no. And then. Tabs are great. Now ask the drummer. Smack my friend is just, just a bummer. bummer. Yeah. So uh, there's a there, there's a profound message in what
0: uh, new wave of British heavy metal band. Uh, yeah, which is a weird uh, a weird kind of category to throw them because they don't. They're very. I mean, if, if you can't tell right off the bat, they're very influenced by Black Sabbath. Yes, and, uh, apparently they're uh, <laughs> they're the limit. I think it kind of shows their era that they did come out in like the early '80s. You know, the whole. Uh, new wave of British heavy metal stuff. We've got a little bit more speed. Yeah, I think it's more propulsive forward. Uh, usually quicker than most Sabbath stuff. And uh, the the guitar, you can definitely hear a little bit more metallic, not angular, but a little bit more of a flurry of of notes, and a little bit more. Not as blues based as a lot of you
1: know Iommi stuff was. Well, and I think I I wrote somewhere. Yeah, for Free Country, I wrote that the Iommi lead. it's it's very much IOMI leads, but it's definitely more fiercer and and more uh, youthful in a sense, you know, like it's it's informed by IOMI, but it's with that sort of vigor that was coming out of the NWO, Jeez, NWO2, H-B. Yeah, our new wave of British heavy metal. Something like that. I probably missed a letter somewhere in there. <laughs> uh, make it up off the top of my head. An N-W-O-B-H-M. Yeah. Uh, what the hell did I do? I think I did like a New Kids a, on the Block, Mississippi. New up Kids with... on the Block and N-W-A and um, then like the gay transgender yes, whatever yeah. Yeah. Nambla something. <laughs> Nambla. <laughs> <laughs> that's the association of man boy love yes. which would almost be like strangely appropriate for this it would fit with the, some of the lyrical themes and um, bizarre kind of Juvenile aspects that Witchfinder General brings to the table.
0: Well, oh, for for all intents and purposes, I mean, they've got two records for them. For you know, for uh, their I guess the the classic years, the years that matter. They have yeah, a reunion that I don't really know yep. much about in two thousand six. But uh, it started out in nineteen seventy nine with Zeeb Parks, yep. the vocalist, the Aussie vocalist, kind and of uh, the Phil Cope, not Phil Cope from Kailessa, but yep. Phil Cope from the UK, and uh, I think Zeeb. Phil, I think Philip Cope.
1: I think I think that's why. The guy from Kyleza goes from goes by Philip
0: Cope, so not to mistake himself oh, with course. with Phil Cope. From <laughs> oh which man, your fourth founder general, dude! Oh sweet, <laughs> you're pretty young for for being in a band. No, I was reading a uh, an interview with with Phil Cope from. I'm not sure exactly sure when it was, but uh, Zeb Parks got his name because he used to wear football jerseys. Uh, somehow they started calling him Zebra. I don't know if that's some kind of soccer term. I don't know anything about soccer. Uh, and then Zebra got shortened to Zeb. Yeah, there's some jerseys like. Um, Oh boy! Tra- I know
1: Manchester United. That's all I know. Yeah, the, no. There's a black and white jersey, um, and I'm drawing a blank right now. Ah, it's not one of the London teams. It's not Liverpool. It's not any of the Manchester teams. It's not Tottenham. I'm trying to remember. There was a there was a team when I lived in England. Black and white. I mean, it
0: could be very probably. So I don't. But maybe. that's a very minuscule, I guess, part of what the the history of of Witchfinder General, but. This I mean this is a band that initially I discovered by Cathedral, Cathedral talking about it. Yeah, that's where I heard uh, through them. And it's and when you go back and look at it, there's not really that many bands that I mean there's tons of bands that are influenced by Sabbath but not that are really like picking up the torch and running with it. Mm-hmm. Uh with a, I guess cuz even at this point like Mob Rules era Sabbath was quite hell, yeah. was quite different. Mm-hmm. You know the the Dio era stuff and uh this these records took me, I mean, I've had it for years and years, but only recently have I really, I mean, and i listened to them, but I've been listening to them, like, a lot lately and really kind of keying into a lot of it, and it's all kind of making sense, and, like, I, I understand now why they've got so much notoriety, especially between, like, or uh, with, like, with with bands, you know, like why they, sure. they note them as being like huge influence. Well, I
1: think the other thing that we were talking about, too, is that nobody else was really sounding like this at this point, you know I mean? And we had Pentagram, but they were so obscure at this point that, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, just Relentless was almost. about to come out, you know, but yeah. these guys were coming out of a totally different place from being from England and kind of getting oh, totally. that torch from Sabbath. But yet Sabbath was doing their own thing, you know, but it wasn't with Ozzy. Yeah, Blizzard of Oz was kind of going on at this time too, and Diary of a Madman. So you had all these like weird threads going on.
0: Well, they're both named after films. Sure, yeah, that's true. (laughs) And uh, you know, Witchfinder General is a Hammer flick with uh, Mr. Vincent Price, where he's the Witchfinder General going around and you know tying witches to uh, to benches. Yeah,
1: and we'll hear all about that later. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing about these guys is this was so contrary to what was happening at the time with the new wave of British Heavy Metal scene, which was so based around speed and melody and things like that, mm-hmm. like coming out of like a almost more like the Sabbath kind of school of thought mixed with a little bit of punk elements, you know, which was what Maiden was doing early on and Motorhead yeah. and Angel Witch and a lot of those bands, um, you know, were were kind of taking that torch and these guys just seem to to go like a totally different vibe, you know. Um, well, I think a
0: lot of it came down to uh, their kind of laziness. Yeah, their, and, and a laziness and kind of uh, have a lot of things did not go their way mm. early on. You know, pretty young guys started in '79, and then the first record comes out '82. So the first record is really strong. Oh yeah, I mean, across the board is I mean, really I think strong. I Death Penalty is my favorite of their. Yeah, the the, the second record, uh, well, we can get into that when we actually start listening to some of those songs, I guess, that make a little bit more sense. Sure, yeah. But it's but death penalty, which is where Free
1: Country comes from, you know. Besides having like I mean, I think some of the greatest anthemic sort of sing along lyrics that they ever wrote, you know, with this song along with the song that you're endeared to <laughs> that will come later. Yeah. But I mean it has like a like a Black Sabbath paranoid vibe to it, where it's like something you can kinda like hum around hum in your head and stuff and it kinda is a catchy tune to it. You oh, know? Absolutely. Um which, you know, a lot of that new wave stuff was built. I mean, Def Leppard was bringing in even Iron Maiden, you know, had catchy Priest, elements yeah. to it, you know. Um, and it's funny when we Archie. listen to Sto- No Stayer uh, a little bit later, mm-hmm. you point out, and I, I would have to agree with you, that it has a very much kind of a Joe Elliott vocal vibe to it, too. It's Absolutely. Early, early yeah. Joe Elliott kind of.
0: Mixed with Ozzy or something. And uh, yeah, the the next song we're gonna hear. Well, actually, the not the next one, but the one after that, uh, "Invisible Hate." You actually get to hear some of Z Park's very unique kind of like weird squeaks, mm-hmm. where he doesn't necessarily do like a, a Halford scream, but it almost like kind of like his larynx starts to choke up or something and he sounds like somebody you know punching in the neck sure but it's uh it's kind of a unique bit of his uh i guess vocal vocabulary that he ends up throwing and makes him a pretty unique vocalist i think and not just purely an Aussie clone yeah yeah and i think uh you know things that you have to attach to this
1: band with asterisks, is and you mentioned some of the laziness and things like that um are i guess just, non-committalness is what it, it's probably a better term yeah but. Because musically, I mean, they're they're competent musicians. They're good, and stuff. yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's nothing you can kind of detract from them. Um, the lyrics, you can't take them seriously. Uh, they're they're fairly juvenile, I guess. You know, that, yeah.
0: The interview that I, that I read with Phil Cope said the first record are the lyrics are laughable. Yeah. yeah. Requiem Metal Podcast Episode One Twenty Nine, brought to you by Executive Producer Justin Hoffman. Thank you very much for your support. I had the pleasure of hearing Free Country by Mr. Witchfinder General from their death penalty record in 1982. This is the Requiem Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. And, uh, hey
1: man, let's, uh... Let's, <laughs> let's let the good times roll. Let's let the good times roll, and I don't think there's a much more of a good timey kind of song than Free Country, man. Uh, Look out for me, let's trip on LSD, man. Yeah, man. Let's have some mushroom tea. Mushroom tea. Amphetamine is real good speed. <laughs> uh... Come have some mushroom tea, but you know the the thing that's that's interesting about this song that I'll say is uh, I has some it's a pro drug song with a very safe message attached to it. Yeah, stay away from bummer drugs, man. Yeah, bummer drugs. Uh, heroin is for the hero. It's a killer. You gotta say no. <laughs> and then. Tabs are great. Now ask the drummer, smack my friend is just, just a, a bummer. bummer. Yeah. So uh there's a there, there's a profound message in what
0: uh new wave of british heavy metal band uh yeah which is a weird general. uh a weird kind of category to throw them in because they don't they're very I mean if if you can't tell right off the bat they're very influenced by black sabbath yes. and uh apparently they're uh <laughs> they the I think it kind of shows their era that that they did come out in like the early 80s you know the whole uh, new wave of British heavy metal stuff. We've got a little bit more speed. Yeah, I think it's more propulsive forward. Uh, usually quicker than most Sabbath stuff. And uh, the the guitar, you can definitely hear a little bit more metallic, not angular, but a little bit more of a flurry of of notes, and a little bit more. Not as blues based as a lot of you know Iommi stuff was. Well, and I think I I wrote somewhere. Yeah, for Free Country, I wrote that the
1: Iommi lead. It's, it's very much Iomi leads, but it's definitely more fiercer and, and more uh, youthful in a sense. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, it's informed by Iomi, but it's with that sort of vigor that was coming out of the N- NWO. cheese uh, NWO two. T-H-B. Yeah, our new wave of British Heavy Metal. Something like that. I probably missed a letter somewhere in there. <laughs> uh, make it up off the top of my head. N-W-O-B-H-M. Yeah. Uh, what the hell did I do? I think I did like a... New Kids a, on the Block mixed a, a New Kids with... on the Block and N-W-A... Um, and then, like, the gay transgender... Yes, whatever. yeah, and yeah. yeah. Nambla. That's something. <laughs> Nambla! <laughs> That's association with man-boy love. Yes. Which would almost be, like, strangely appropriate for this. It would fit with the, some of the lyrical themes and um, bizarre kind of... Juvenile aspects that Witchfinder General brings to the table.
0: Well, oh, for for all intents and purposes, I mean, they've got two records for them for you know for uh, their I guess the the classic years, the years that matter. They have yeah, a reunion that I don't really know yep. much about in two thousand six, but uh, it started out in nineteen seventy nine with Zeb Parks, yeah, the vocalist, the Ozzie vocalist, and of, uh, Phil uh, Cope, not Phil Cope from Kailasa, but yeah. Phil Cope from the UK, and uh, Zeb. I think Philip Cope.
1: I think I think that's why the guy from Kailaza goes from goes by Philip Cope so not to mistake himself oh, with course. with Phil Cope. From oh which man, Rider you're <laughs> your general dude.
0: Oh, sweet. <laughs> you're pretty young for for being in a band. No, I was reading a uh, an interview with with Phil Cope from I'm not sure exactly sure when it was, but uh Zeb Parks got his name because he used to wear football jerseys. Uh somehow they could calling him Zebra. I don't know if that's some kind of soccer term. I don't know anything about soccer. Uh, and then Zebra got shortened to Zeb. Yeah, there's some jerseys like um Oh boy! Tra- I know
1: Manchester United. That's all I know. Yeah, the, no. There's a black and white jersey, um, and I'm drawing a blank right now. Ah, it's not one of the London teams. It's not Liverpool. It's not any of the Manchester teams. It's not Tottenham. I'm trying to remember. There was a there was a team when I lived in England. Black and white. I mean, it
0: could be very probably. So I don't. But maybe. that's a very minuscule, I guess, part of what the the history of of Witchfinder General, but. This, I mean, this is a band that initially I discovered by Cathedral, Cathedral. talking about it. Yeah, that's where I heard uh, through them. And it's and when you go back and look at it, there's not really that many bands that I mean, there's tons of bands that are influenced by Sabbath, but not that are really like picking up the torch and running with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a, I guess because even at this point, like Mob Rules era, Sabbath was quite hell, yeah. was quite different. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Dio era stuff and uh, this. These records took me, I mean, I've had them for years and years, but only recently have I really, I mean, and i listened to them, but I've been listening to them, like, a lot lately and really kind of keying into a lot of it, and it's all kind of making sense, and, like, I, I understand now why they've got so much notoriety, especially between, like, or uh, with like in with with bands, you know, like why they, sure. they note them as being like huge influence. Well,
1: I think the other thing that we were talking about too is that nobody else was really sounding like this at this point. You know, I mean, and we had Pentagram, but they were so obscure at this point that yeah. You know, and I mean, just Relentless was almost. about to come out, you know, but yeah. these guys were coming out of a totally different place from being from England and kind of getting oh, totally. the torch from Sabbath, but yet Sabbath was doing their own thing, you know. But it wasn't with Ozzy. You yeah know, blizzard of oz was kind of going on at this time too and diary of a madman so you had all these like weird threads going on
0: well they, and then, they're both named after films sure yeah that's true <laughs> and well, uh, you know Witchfinder films. general is a hammer flick with uh, mr vincent price where he's yeah. the Witchfinder finder general going around and you know tying witches to uh to benches yeah and, and uh yeah. The, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll,
1: hear, we'll hear all about that later yeah But, you know, the other thing about these guys is this was so contrary to what was happening at the time with the new wave of British Heavy Metal scene, which was so based around speed and melody and things like that. Mm -hmm. like Coming out of like a almost more like the Sabbath kind of school of thought mixed with a little bit of punk elements, you know, which was what Maiden was doing early on and Motorhead and Angel Witch and a lot of those bands, um, you know, were, were kind of taking that torch And these guys just seem to to go like a totally different vibe, you know. Um, Well, I
0: think a lot of it came down to uh, their kind of laziness. Yeah. And and a laziness and kind of uh, have a lot of things did not go their way Mm. early on. You know, pretty young guys started in 79, and then the first record comes on 82. So the first record is really strong. Oh, yeah. Across the board is really strong. I think Death Penalty is my favorite of their yeah, of the, the, the second of record, the two, uh, you know. well, we can get into that when we actually start listening to some of those songs, I guess, that make a little bit more sense. Sure, yeah. But, it's, but Death Penalty, which is where
1: free country comes from, you know, besides having like, I mean, I think some of the greatest anthemic sort of sing-along lyrics that they ever wrote, you know, with this song, along with the song that you're endeared to <laughs> that will come later. Yeah. But I mean, it has like a like a Black Sabbath paranoid vibe to it, where it's like something you can kind of like hum around, hum in your head and stuff, and it kind of has a catchy tune to it. You Absolutely, know? Um, which you know, a lot of that new wave stuff was built. I mean, Def Leppard was bringing, in even Iron Maiden, you know, had catchy Priest, elements and, yeah. to it. You know, um, and it's funny when we Bunchy. listen to Sto- No Stayer uh, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. You point out, and I, I would have to agree with you, that it has a very much kind of a Joe Elliott vocal vibe to it, too. It's Absolutely. early, early yeah. Joe Elliott kind of mixed yeah. with Ozzy
0: or something. And uh, yeah, the, the next song we're going to hear. Well, actually, the not the next one, but the one after that. Uh, Invisible Hate. You actually get to hear some of Z Park's very unique kind of like weird squeaks mm-hmm. where he doesn't necessarily do like a, a Halford scream, but it almost like kind of like his Lernick starts to choke up or something and he sounds like somebody you know punching in the neck sure but it's uh it's kind of a unique bit of his uh i guess vocal vocabulary that he ends up throwing and makes him a pretty unique vocalist i think and not just purely an ozzy clone yeah yeah and i think uh you know things that you have to attach to
1: this band with asterisks, is and you mentioned some of the laziness and things like that um are i guess non-committalness is what it, it's probably a better term yeah but. Because musically, I mean, they're they're competent musicians. They're good, and stuff. yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's nothing you can kind of detract from them. Um, the lyrics, you can't take them seriously. Uh, they're they're fairly juvenile, I guess. You know, that, yeah.
0: The interview that I, that I read with Phil Cope
1: said the first record or the lyrics are laughable. Yeah. And, and you'll hear that invisible hate when, you know, he screams out my beer a couple times
0: and sex Usually, and yeah, when you th- when you think you hear something that sounds <laughs> stupid, it is actually what the lyrics are. Yeah. Not like, what you know, uh, excuse me, I like kiss this guy kind of thing. Yeah, this exactly. is actually, that's what they would have been saying. Yes, yes, this is the, you, you did correctly here in Free Country,
1: let's trip on LSD. Yeah. Let's drink some mushroom tea, you know, because it... It kind of it uh, reminds me of t Matt lyrics, too, but, you know, it's the sure. story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're German, you know. We yeah. talked about, or not German, but they were, like, a Swedish band that, like, felt very German all the time. You know, yes. with their weirdness, you know. Their gothisms Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, and, and you'll hear um, the other the other caveat, I guess, um, that always drew me to this band on some level. Of course, the artwork and the
0: photography, and then the—I think that's one of the strongest things. I mean, because at at this time, you know, early '80s, I think record album covers were like the number one calling card for a band. I mean, that's one of the initial reasons why Iron Maiden got so big, is because they had Eddie, they had this recognizable thing. And Witchfinder General, I can't think of any other band that had that kind of. You know, photo cover with the band, you know, doing some basically it looks like a still out of a out of Peter an old Hall, Hammer film, yeah, you know, but but even further than what Hammer even went, you know. Oh, yeah. There's a little bit more titties in this. Yeah, yeah for sure. And apparently titty. this this chick that's on the cover is some famous model. OK, from uh, from that era, you know, from late 70s. Yeah, early 80s. I think I remember reading that Joanne uh, Latham. We'll yeah, have to look her up.
1: So but yeah, the photography by uh, by David Bonham. So John's uh, cousin, I guess David. <laughs> Not even David, David. David. That must be something British about that. I don't know. That could be Welsh. Yeah, that could be. They got weird, weird. Yeah, names I remember there. driving around yeah. Wales and trying to read the signs and the names of the. I like, love them. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Sixty million con- uh, consonants or something, but kind of like Yiddish. But you know what's interesting is you know the hammer thing, but I mean it's it's a nude woman, uh, kind of with them about to. Basically, kill her in the graveyard. I mean, she's a witch. I would imagine of you've got the the witch finder general and his 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 minions coalition <laughs> with a knife to her throat on the front, and then on the back covers is, is her dead, sort of lying in the graveyard, topless. Yet there's still sort of a kind of sick, twisted, like attractive quality to the. Corpse,
0: you know, what I mean, it's oh, yeah. a, like a, alluring on some level, which was the whole hammer kind of. Well, even like a lot of the Italian stuff back at that point, you know, like a lot of like bust, even like Tombs of the Blind Dead, the yeah. uh, the Spanish film from the, like what was that seventy two or something? Sure, it was you know incorporating like the the macabre with like the sexy. We well, yeah, and then
1: the, you had like the Franco uh, stuff, the Spanish guy, the vampire Lesbos kind that's, of yeah, stuff. You, you good, know, what I mean, you good had good a lot movie. of lot of that kind of thing. And it has a great warning. This could
0: happen to you if you tape our records. Yes, kind of you, you can find a naked woman with her throat slit in your front yard. I, I <laughs> seems
1: kind of overkill. Uh, for, yeah, you know, for dubbing a record, but and hey, for for a, a band know. that was so small. Yeah. I'm the, sure there the, wasn't a lot of dubbing going on. But yeah. Yeah, who knows? You know. I mean, that's how guys like Lars were were getting a lot of their stuff. That's through. that's how tape trading. You know? Yeah, that's how underground metal started. So, I mean, which, by in general, you guys should have been pro tape trading. Maybe that would have exactly. prolonged your careers a little bit. But who knows? <laughs> Shot yourself in the foot. You're the exactly. Metallica of the time. Exactly. But um, we're going to start before we jump back into this this record. We want to play uh, a older tune that kind of came
0: prior to us. The first song they recorded. Correct. Yeah, it was. uh, They did a an EP that was. I think it was. uh, Oh God, what is it called now? Well, they did "Bernie, a Sinner" as a single before "Death Penalty" came out. Yeah, but before they did, they recorded this uh, "The Soviet Invasion" EP sounded terrible they tried to make it sound as live as possible mm-hmm. uh, so that I think it got pressed and it got shelved and then they came out with Death Penalty Death Penalty sounded so much better I think the label put that out and then ended up after, after the fact putting out the Soviet, the Soviet Invasion, invasion thing oh, okay. and there was some
1: some different versions and things of like R.I.P. on there and I think Bernie A Sinner live maybe or, or something yeah, like that yeah there's one other track but it, it's not that big of a deal but Soviet realize. Invasion we're just going to play for the posterity sake because this is a band that you can essentially encapsulate their history in this entire
0: episode because it's so short-lived you know yeah um, and and the subject matter i don't understand at all for for their kind of aesthetic what it just seems like they just eh, like cold get a wars history team. class
1: or something yeah. <laughs> cold wars you know what it sounds like i mean it, it's almost Witchfinder finder general is like you have like anvil and then you go one step below the evolution yeah. the evolutionary chart, and you have like Witchfinder General. In terms of
0: lyrics, you know, like, well, I guess even subject matter—that's something like Maiden would have done. They could have had something about you know a witch finder, and then have you know the Soviet invasion song. And it totally makes sense, you know, Alexander the Great. But they wouldn't have had no stayer. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, and neither would Anvil. And that's what yeah. I meant
1: by no stayer, which will be coming up as well. Um, probably the worst lyrics of the, their whole career. But a badass collection of riffs, and, and we'll yeah. we'll get into that a little bit later. Kind of early, you know, some White Snake kind of vibes to it or something. Yeah, you know, some sleaze. Some definitely sleaze. <laughs> so, you know, so what are some of the other, I mean, we're going to hear Invisible Hate and Death Penalty. Uh, those are kind of a big kind of epic numbers, you know, five and six minutes long. Um, volume four from Black Sabbath, I, I got to kind of get this out of my system. That, to me, seems like the Sabbath record that informs this particular era of Witchfinder General the most Yeah. Um, for some odd reason. I don't know if that's because it was one of the faster—it uh, was kind of the fastest of the early Sabbath records, you know, because I think they were doing a lot of speed and cocaine and different things from, you know, Snowblind and stuff no, yeah, like and that. Bowls of cocaine. Yeah. Yeah, and Bowls of Cocaine and stuff. So maybe it was like sped up Sabbath riffs, which is kind of what you get with Witchfinder General at times. Uh, but then in a tune like Death Penalty, the title track, you're going to hear not only some of the riffs from Snowblind mixed with some Blue Oyster Cult and Jethro Tull Aqualung kind yes. of isms mixed in with um, Under the Sun, Every Day Comes and Goes, which is the closing number of Volume 4, and there's that, that sort of breakdown in the middle of Death Penalty that mimics Under the Sun's breakdown where it kind of goes into more of a Upbeat, your kind of happy vibe for temporarily before it comes back to the yeah, badass uh, kind of aqualung yeah. kind of riff going on. Um, you know, so that record in particular, I mean, not to say that they were not stealing from other Sabbath records as well as, um, you know, Blue
0: Oyster Cult, Deep Purple. We hear a lot of Thin Lizzy, even. Yeah, it's. With I mean, it's stuff. kind of a it's a smorgasbord, but all all through the the vision of you know Tony Iommi aesthetic or something. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so there's some you know neat things kind of
1: happening here. I mean, what is it for you that endears you to this record more than say Friends of
0: Hell? I mean, Friends of Hell is just well the technical side, I mean, they recorded this thing was, you know, they're around a couple of years, you know, like three years they're working on some of these songs, so I think everything's really put together well. Mm-hmm. Friends of Hell was recorded, a, or like, I think written, I don't know how long it was recorded, but it was written in a month. Oh, okay, And, uh, you know, Cope's even, you know, gone on record to say that it's not as strong as a record, you know, as Death Penalty. Well, it's that quote I was telling you about earlier.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Every band is their whole life to make their first record. You know what I mean? Exactly. Which is why sometimes there's
0: something special or... or and there's, you know, you know there's, there's like... Uh, there's some songs on the second on, on Friends of Hell that are... they are even more catchy. Mm-hmm. But it's lacking a lot of, like, what I really love about Death Penalty is the heavy, sure, you know, Sabbath kind of doom vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I don't know if, if Sabbath was ever really associated with doom... I think this is no. one of the first bands that really kind of associated that turn, at least people associate. This is like one of the first, you know, one the, the, the progenitors of Doom as we know it. Yeah. Not just these guys uh, in, just heavy metal, but Doom. These guys in Pentagram, you know, yeah. kind of. Uh, and even they, they kind of set the stage for the kind of aesthetic choices that we'll see in like Electric Wizard and... Uh, fucking orange goblin yeah. and cathedral and just this weird trouble. Saint yeah, this, Midas, this mix you know? of uh, of this like you know this, this doom metal stuff with the whole aesthetic of horror mm-hmm. and B B films and all that kind of stuff. I think they're one of the first to really do that. Yeah, because Sabbath never really incorporated outside of their name. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of like movie. No, it, was horror it was it was war and, and violence, day to day, yeah, yeah. Kind of stuff. Meeting like Nazis on the, at a party, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. whatever kind of stuff. Electric so. funerals about the environment,
1: you know, yeah. things like that. They were more realistic. Whereas you're right, this had more like sort of fantasy vibe to it in terms
0: of. It's like have fun, do drugs,
1: of, and yeah. then uh, all under the guise of uh, and let's watch. Let's watch a lot of horror movies too, and yeah. kind of you know spin that sort of stuff off into something. Um, Yeah, I mean, so I think it goes goes without saying that even though the lyrics and things like that can sometimes be laughable and some of the riffs aren't always original, what these guys constructed was the foundation of something that would be massively influential, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's where these guys got so much more recognized years after they had been broken up i mean they were kind they of broke up a, in 84 a blip on the map really when they came yeah. out i yeah. don't think anybody really paid attention to them but the same thing goes for like early trouble records
0: everyone was kind of like man why you gotta be playing so slow in the midst of like thrash yes yeah, like, it's it all like like a down when they come out yeah like the era they come out i mean this is the era of speed and then you know like you know motorhead was like going a million miles an hour at this point and then yeah. these guys are you know kind of slowing it down kind of fifth very throwback to 70s you know mm-hmm. totally yeah and that
1: must you know and today to our fresh years it sounds cool mm-hmm. back then you know could have sounded a a derivative who knows yeah so kind of interesting but uh yeah so let's uh let's get back into some some tunage here We've got the aforementioned Soviet invasion, uh, which you know, like we said, poor, poor lyrics doesn't really
0: make a lot of sense, and it's but, constructed kind of weird too. Yeah, it doesn't really seem to fit the kind of uh, I guess vibe of the rest of the record. But it's still a heavy riff. It's it a is, heavy yeah. tune. You can definitely
1: tell that these guys were coming out of a, a left field with this, and then um, Invisible Hate, uh, which you know, we we sort of already talked about. Um, it has you know, obviously built around a lot of a lot of Sabbath parts and things like that. Death Penalty, uh, I think, one of the highlights of the record, just in terms of pure catchiness. You know, very um, simple riff. Yeah, for sure. The, the probably it's the smoke bit, on the water kind of riff. It, you know? Yeah, it's something that just kind of gets <laughs> stuck in your head. And then No Stair, which um, you know you mentioned, has a, a really nice collection of riffs, especially at the beginning, um, and kind of a deep purple sort of riff to it where you could almost like layer keyboard over and
0: it. you can would, almost hear yeah. it in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think I can hear a ton of cathedral pulled out of that, mm-hmm. especially a lot of the, the weirder, you know, post ethereal mirror kind of stuff where they just kind of went off the deep end. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to end things with RIP, uh,
1: which features the always effective cowbell and uh you know definitely again a blue oyster cult uriah heat deep purple kind of thing you know to it but great guitar tone across mm-hmm. the board on this record i think they've got uh, it's produced really well yeah for for a first record from a band that you know no one really knew much <laughs> about you know yeah. compared to some some first records from this era so but uh yeah enjoy uh, enjoy some some death penalty No stayer, death penalty, invisible hate, and then we open things up with Soviet invasion. I kind of feel like I want to read at least one lyric from No Stayer because it's just so profound. Go for it. Do you think? Do you think we should? All right. I think the listeners deserve it, man. Uh, I want a woman because it's a Saturday night. I want to make her feel all right. I'm gonna lay her. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I it, do. It's you know when you kind of say I want to layer. It, it, there's no subtlety in that. So to find, then follow up it with, you know, do you what, know I mean. what I mean? Yeah, it's David Coverdale like, would never have made that mistake. No, exactly. Yeah. Coverdale just laid <laughs> laid it out there. Metaphor, then, metaphor, I mean, metaphor, metaphor. And then you get later, it says, back at her place, she was in the mood. She sucked and licked my food. When it was running all over my face, she rolled over and then we screwed.
0: See, I I no stare
1: I on a Saturday night. No stayer because I'm feeling all right. I don't tonight. know what that, that sounds like he ejaculated on his own face. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if she just had a food fetish and like he, you know, was eating like, uh, you know, some fish and chips and had like a little bit on his face and she just sort of went for it. Kind of like a Lady in the Tramp kind of cute spaghetti oh. kind of moment. Yeah. You know, but, like, but British. Yeah. I'd like to think that there's something sexy in there and it's not just pure like Pornographically disgusting but i'm probably overthinking this it could be you're probably giving him more credit than yeah <laughs> he's really do but oh zeb oh no that would have been uh did phil write the lyric no zeb oh zeb <laughs> the zebra man zebras can't read zebras can't write wow they just know how to run well we've got uh we've got one more tune from death penalty and it's a doozy it's the uh it's the namesake it's the eponymous uh tune right it's their iron maiden yeah and it's it probably for my
0: money it might have the, their best riff. You know, I mean, it's a it's got one of the best vocal lines too. I mean, it's very very simple, but uh, yeah, it's a it's an unbelievable song. Yeah,
1: I mean, y- you get especially in the middle, you get this awesome Sabbath lead, and then it just this great like kind of doomy slowed down riff that really will inform like what
0: Cathedral's gonna oh, sort of take sure. take from it later. You know. And obviously, story, I think that was one of the big things when Lee Dorian met Gary Jennings, and uh, they were like, like the only two. Oh my God, do you like which fighter general? general fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah, that's that. Sometimes that's that's what it's all about. You
1: know, is finding that one other person in town. Commissary, yeah. I remember um, we in my rock and roll history class, we were kind of talking about that stuff because we watched a punk documentary, and um, I think Jello Biafra was talking about how in all the what happened is in every like little town there were only like one or two people that liked velvet underground and stooges and Mm -hmm. mc5 and then what happened is like as the 70s kind of unfolded and and kind of continued like 72 73 they all left those small towns moved to big cities and then all found each other and they're like oh what the hell like yeah you like stooges too oh you like velvet and then they all formed bands from that you know so that's kind of it's kind of how it works sometimes. Which Finder General was a Velvet Underground for a different I, generation. I man. guess they were, yes. Uh, didn't sell many <laughs> records, inspired many doom. I mean, if you think about it, you know, Lays the Seeds for the Troubles, Electric Wizard, Cathedral, yeah. St. Vitus, you know, I mean. Uh, Probably a ton of the bands A ton of that the derivatives that, off of those bands, too, yeah. you know. so And then we get into Friends of Hell, and um, I guess, you know, this record, as you said, was sort of rushed.
0: Um Yeah. I mean, what are production-wise, it's odd that it, it, it's not as crisp. and even. The bass is higher in the mix, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the songs sound like they record in different sessions. Uh, like the song Music, for instance, sounds yeah. like they like kind of blew their wad in that budget for that <laughs> yeah. song. Uh, they actually pull out some organ. Uh, Infectious bass one. line, keyboards. Brum, brum,
1: brum. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot of glam influence, you know, like the early 70s British. You can't help stuff. but strut when you hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they were listening to a lot of uh, you know Budgie and Martha Hoople and uh, even Bowie and, and I just mean there's almost sweet
0: like even weird them, like uh, like Kiss I was made for loving you kind of baseline disco. To it, you there's know? A, a disco like part, a, kind of a, a disco vibe, which kind of makes sense when it's not done in a disco well band. Well, you know,
1: in the, the anthemic kind of lyrics of it, sort of fit with like autograph, turn up the radio, or like Nova Fantasy. You know, it yeah. just has that yeah. like. It's almost ridiculous, but yet you can't stop singing it, you know?
0: Yeah, they really hit a nerve of, like, what what people really want out of, like, what can make a, just burrow a song into your head where you can't get it out. Well, in this and I Lost You, which is what we're going to end this set
1: with, which was their sort of, like, 80s... Like it sounds like metal a Cinderella ballad. ballad, yeah.
0: But I, I, I kind of wanted to throw. I mean, there could have been, could have thrown another more, you know, metallic song. On, but I kind of wanted to show the breadth of what they sure. do as well. Well, these were supposedly their two singles that they tried to like launch, and, yeah. and neither hit. But they both. I can failed. see why I lost you. Didn't? Yeah. Uh, there's really not a whole lot going on. To it's the most. It's a very cliche riff as well. But I, I just kind of like the whole vibe of, of the song and the way it's uh, it's recorded. The vocals are recorded kind of weird and echoey, and mm-hmm. uh, but music I think is is going to be the standout uh as far as like just being immediately catchy. Yep. Off this. Yep. And and it's interesting you, you kinda mentioned the weird vocal approach to
1: like I lost you. I could hear some of that in what Lee does sometimes like with like in impres- in flesh and stuff like that. Yeah. how it's like it's off a little. It's be- it's kind of like a pretty ballad but yet it's
0: like It's even like Aaron Stainthorpe from My Dying Bride where he's not a a traditionally good singer but he makes use of what he has. Yeah. Kind with, of thing. With the and even yeah major. like uh, Lee's not a great singer but he's a good frontman. He has a good he has like good energy and he knows how to he does he knows how to not like go beyond his his uh, abilities sure. yeah so when he'll do is boo' they'll like make up for screams or something you know uh-huh. so.
1: and and definitely you hear that with with zeb I mean zeeb's like a more consistent on
0: this record vocally that's positive I can throw out there but I kind of say- like his inconsistencies on the last record with his where he's kind of all over the place and there's a little bit more I don't know if it's enthusiasm or if that's the right word for it but he's just kind of Letting it all hang out and yeah. like he just he, there's a real honesty to it. I think there it, there is on this record as well, but it's a little bit more reined in.
2: Mm-hmm. I think.
0: know, yep. and you know you're getting um, I don't
1: know I I get like especially in love on smack a much more of a pentagram pentagram vibe
0: to everything's more stripped down on this record. I think there's not the the leads when they're they're not quite as like one after the other, just thrown all over the place. Yeah, uh, the main riffs are a little bit more stripped down. I think the, they're trying to. Make a more commercial record outside of just having, or, you know, I don't know if commercial is <laughs> right, the right word for it, but just a more accessible record to the tastes of the time. Because this is, you know, when, you know, the whole clammy. Glam, this is when
1: Quiet Riot is about to break with, like, come on, feel the noise yeah. and, and some of that stuff. Yeah,
0: Motley Cruse starting to inch towards the. You know, like, the New campus. Wave of British Heavy Metal is starting to kind of peter out a little bit. There's a couple, you know, Priest and uh, Maiden and, and Maiden. Some, uh, and then, like. Def Lepper was certainly... Yeah, Def Leppard pretty they much... They made the leap, yeah. went went the other way, but yeah, the, the flag of New Wave British Heavy Metal was pretty much just held by two bands at that point. Mm-hmm. Now, um... Oh, I lost my train of thought completely. Drinking that mushroom tea, man. Yeah, too much mushroom
1: tea. <laughs> no, what I was going to say is, uh, the... They... This is when they start to run into some troubles, not only with... Like production and rushing an album out and stuff like that, but is this the cover that gets them in trouble because of like where they took? Photographs and stuff at the church and things. It was like that. this one. It was either I don't know if his death. I think it was death penalty. Actually, was it? Because Friends of Hell is like is photographed in front of like a cathedral and stuff. And I know you mentioned that they had
0: gotten in trouble for doing like all this nude photography outside of and it was just it was like Gorilla, like too. They didn't have pull permits or any of that kind yeah. of crap. And I think it was just one thing led to another with their like their touring schedule was off with their release date and people didn't have the same kind of like motivation to stay in the band and like really. Give it all they had. It was just kind of everything just started to fall apart. Basically, yeah, that's a shame. Which I don't even know if they've ever toured outside of the UK. Oh, I I, I kind of doubt they did. Yeah, they probably just did like the, the local circuits or something and call it good. But I guarantee they've never been in the United States. At least these guys almost original like tenure. had like a
1: they're like a pre bolt thrower bolt thrower in terms of just like kind of some of their
0: their lackluster. Like attitude towards Does, like making themselves. If like, they would just, they, I mean, they have the punk like Bolthor has the punk attitude to a fault. Yeah, we we don't want to sell stuff online. We just want to sell it when we're at shows, kind of thing. Yeah, and like you know they they're scrapped an entire record, and you know I was like, oh, I'm too busy driving cab to worry about Bolthor. If they really you know had a little bit of a push behind them, look at the response they had a yeah, couple years Fest, ago at yeah. Death Fest. It was unbelievable.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So laziness. Yeah, it's crazy. Or just their ambitions aren't 100. Well, maybe they have families; they have to support them. You know, whatever. That's true. That's true. Who am I to say? So, all right. Well, let's get uh, let's get to it. Let's get into some friends of hell
1: stuff. But we got one more. Like I said, from death penalty with uh, the eponymous witchfinder general, and then we got love on smack music. Which uh, I love music every day. I love music every day. (laughs) You'll be uh, you'll have that one in your head. Then the the title track, um, "Friends of Hell," which in the middle part, especially on that tune, is a massive. You can just tell it has a massive influence on Cathedral. Like yeah. some of the stuff they're doing compositionally in that song. And then we're gonna sort of close things out with the uh, the beautiful ballad uh, I, lost "I Lost You,", you which yeah. you can record for special ladies out there everywhere. So. <laughs> Let us
0: know how far you get with that. Exactly.
1: Enjoy some uh, Witchfinder General. you friends of hell music love on smack and Witchfinder finder general love on smack that's another that's kind of a classy title too <laughs> uh, i, I even. Mean, if that's like having sex while you're on smack is or, that... i don't know because these guys seem to be against heroin so i'm not really yeah it's a bummer man that's the drummer <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's like a oh, there there's a spinal tap ish quality to Witchfinder finder general i'd have to say but not like not musically but yeah. like like everything else that seems to not work out quite right for the band in terms of the <laughs> lyrics some of the imagery, yeah, there wasn't drummers
0: exploding or yeah anything, but, you know but uh, but even it, look at spinal tap they, their lyrics were across the board. Yeah, you, know, you got true. Stonehenge, you got Big Bottoms, you know all this. Other, but but they were at the at the core. It was all catchy. That's true. That's you know? true. Smell the glove. Smell I, you know, the, smell
1: the it, glove. just sandwich. Seems like something that like Witchfinder General would accidentally write. You know. Yeah. No, like
0: it. give them give Witchfinder General a couple more years, and I, see that's a, a name you can't really expand with yeah very much but You're stuck man yeah, that's okay well electric wizard i guess kind of went outside that too but you know this is a different time this a different time yeah but you were judged a little more
1: harshly you didn't have that uh liberality to be able to go out and yeah. do exactly what you wanted but they uh they do close friends of hell with one of their best songs i think uh that they ever yeah. recorded um kind of a it's great, one of their longest as well yeah a good epic track great epic tune quietest reprise and uh, a lot of things sort of happen for it. I mean, one of the most monstrous riffs I think that they record, and uh, it's it's good stuff. I mean, a good way to sort of close out their career, and then it would have almost been a better way to
0: start the record, to tell you the truth. Yeah, probably because <laughs> "Love on Smack" is not the strongest song. It's kind no. it's kind of too long, and it's kind of boring. Yep, yeah, but eh,
1: you know, hindsight. Hindsight's twenty twenty, well, yeah. and obviously these guys couldn't couldn't get it together. And then what what happened? Didn't you say is that they uh, they
0: tried or start putting together a third record? Yeah, um, and actually, cope's uh, Phil Cope's dad was I, apparently was learning keyboard at this point, and he was like, he says he was really good. I don't know if that's just because he was his dad or not, <laughs> but uh, so he was going to have more keyboard stuff integrated into it. And he ended up they recorded a lot of demos. For or I guess re- did a lot of rehearsals uh, and he would actually he was recording on a uh, like a mini cassette player but he put it behind his amp so he could hear his riffs to refine those but it's not good enough apparently to hear anybody else uh-huh. in the band but he was like this was that was our strongest material which I don't understand why they didn't why he didn't take that and try to re-record it with their reunion yeah in two thousand six unless they maybe they did but I I haven't really heard anything to. Well, and then the reunion Affirm doesn't doesn't not. bring zeep back. He's the only guy that really doesn't come back um yeah, which is kind of weird because he's i mean those two guys you know Phil and zeep started the band seemed kind of a seventy nine it's like okay and and the I think the guitar- like the drums and the the bass are not they don't have that much of a identifying mark like the vocals and the guitars do for this yeah. band, so it seems like a weird choice, but well, and we should say that uh, on the first record death penalty
1: um Cope played bass. Yes. Even though the bass player Howley or whatever the hell Wolfie is his name. or something. Wolfie, yeah. Wolfie uh, got credited. But on Well, uh, and he got credited because they wanted to have four guys on the cover. Yeah. So they could you know, do that's, the, that's the real kill good. in the graveyard scene yeah. kind of thing. But on, on this record, and you'll hear it on Quietest Reprise, um, it's it's Rod Hawks playing bass <laughs> and then the Session drummer was Graham Ditchfield. So, you know, we didn't mention that before, but and it's some pretty decent bass playing, actually, a lot mm-hmm. better than what you heard on Death Penalty. So,
0: and actually, if you look at the the genesis of this band, Genesis of uh, Cathedral, you know, same thing, man. That's Vocalists, true. Guitarists coming together, coming together, yeah, and then kind of a rotating rotating lineup, lineup of everybody else, Of
1: bass and, and drums, at least until more recent times. They've had some more consistent. Well, the last like. 15 years, they've had the same lineup. Yeah, Brian Dixon Dixon and uh, Leo Smee on base. Yeah. But then, but yeah, you had like a whole rotation up and up through like a mirror
0: pretty much. It wasn't until Carnival Bazaar. Mark Ramsey Wharton. Dixon and, and Smee came in, right? Yeah. So yeah i mean you had uh, scott carlson from repulsion and stuff too but that's for another show yeah yeah so but anyways speaking of cathedral
1: uh you know this is a band this is the sort of birth of cathedral in a way and and that whole british doom scene and and even take a little mellow candle you take a little this take a little that and uh, you get cathedral there you go so we have quietest reprise uh to sort of close things out but uh Let's know what you thought. I mean, you said you had gotten some response to these guys when you posted some
0: YouTube videos uh, up on. I just put them up on Facebook, and actually, uh, a couple or one guy in particular was like, "Okay, I just bought them both." Yeah, He's he like, had... I've never heard of these guys, and this is unbelievable. Like, why I've never heard of this before. Yeah. So, so I, mean, I think this is a younger guy too. So, it's nice to get it out to a, another generation that Lee Dorian hasn't been able to penetrate sure. with his influence. Yeah,
1: and and upon final reflection, even though we, we sort of kid a little bit about some of the lyrics and things like that. I mean, the, the band kicks ass. There's no Absolutely. way around it. I just and, rocked,
0: uh, I walked like five miles listening to both these records a couple yeah, days ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't help but strut, you know, when some of the, th- when some of the different songs came on and got some looks, there you go. Oh, there you go, <laughs> fellas. If yeah. You're down on your luck. You might you need,
1: need to a strut, man. A, you need, might need some no stare to give you some inspiration <laughs> or some music. But, mm. uh, but yeah, anyways, definitely a band that's often been overlooked, and I think history has been on their side in terms of giving them the attention that they deserve oh, sure. in recent times. They're a band that's always sort of been kind of on the radar screen when you, you talk about influences and stuff like that, just kind of like Angel Witch. Oh, yeah, never, I would throw them in the same camp. Never getting like a, a lot of record sales or things, you know, so... Uh, but yeah, let us know what you thought. Shoot us an uh, email at Gmail or check us out on our uh, Facebook page or the website, requiempodcast.com uh, where you can get merch and become an executive producer
0: as well. And soon, this is going to be world exclusive here, I'm going to be offering prints of any of my decibel illustrations Whoa, for a good price. Wow, yeah. there you go. You heard
1: it here first. Um, yeah, and uh, hopefully maybe by the time this hits, uh, we
0: will be at uh, Maryland Death Fest. And so... Maybe you're listening to this. Yes, and actually, this will be our last episode. We're gonna have our. Uh, or usually we have a, like a two week break around this time yeah. when we go to Death Fest. So on a little little two week vacation or so. But uh, but there's tons of stuff in the
1: archives to go back and check out. It Never are. gets old. If you haven't heard the four part Canadian metal series, yes. perhaps
0: or uh, going all crucial the crucial years of metal. Yeah. Years Those is. are always good, especially if you got to do a road trip with wife or something. Yep, uh, it's nice to let her know that this all means something. This is it does mean
1: something. But uh, yeah, yeah, check out iTunes. Leave us uh, some comments, reviews, and some star ratings. And it always helps. Stuff. So, for uh, "Witchfinder General" and "Quietest Reprise," I'm Jason, and I'm Mark.
0: Requiem Metal Podcast, episode 129, brought to you by executive producer Justin Hoffman. Thank you very much for your support.